Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke it if you've got it. And now, here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor, and the defense is ready, Your Honor. And I'm Bo Maddox, and the prosecution was born ready, Your Honor. And this is Collateral Gaming with... Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And vape it if you have it as well, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. Well, we are back for part two of our cross-examination of the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy. So uh, we are going to be covering this time Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Justice for All, as well as Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trials and Tribulations. Um, before we get into that, though, I guess uh, we'll do a little bit, uh, we'll do a segment that we normally do on the second part of our episodes and uh, talk about what we've been playing. Well, obviously, other than, you know, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, not really much for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I imagine not. I mean, Bo, I guess you don't spend as much time uh, uh, gaming, uh, except whenever, you know. Yeah, no, I just uh, watch people play video games on YouTube because <laughs> it's just a lot more fun. But uh, honestly, it's been a while since I've actually uh, brought out my PS Classic and played through it. So I don't know. Maybe I need to play some super mario 64 or something there you go like like for like the new movie coming out or something right damn right yeah for the new movie <laughs> exactly fucking a yeah I, i've actually been kept pretty busy myself so in addition to of course playing through the phoenix Wright ace attorney trilogy twice in a row recently um i have played uh somewhat related shu takami's other game uh, ghost trick phantom detective hmm. i played and beat that Fucking loved it. It's amazing. Takumi's brilliance shines through j- just as brightly, if not more so. Uh, and the characters are <laughs> in the story writing. It, it, it's all. It's it's the same level of quality as the Ace Attorney trilogy. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like something I could get into. I mean, I mean, a- a- as much as I got into Phoenix Wright and everything. I mean, yeah. Uh, and uh, also, you know, speaking of other visual novel adventure. Uh, murder mystery specifically <laughs> video games you know uh danganronpa is a series that i i've recently gotten into um and i'm actually most of the way through the second game now and enjoying the hell out of that so you've been playing the dangan rampers Ex- yes yes the don the dangan rompers 
Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> Ropa one and two, really, really, really good. Can see the influence from Ace Attorney the, the, there, the, actually. The, the Dan Gurn Ramburns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's darker. It's kind of this like punk pop aesthetic, and it, it's really, really, really good. It, it really kind of just uh, it feels like a, an emo kids version of Phoenix Wright in many ways. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it kind of feels like from what I've seen. Yeah, I've also, of course, I was playing a Resident Evil 4 remake because that recently came out, but also been playing through the original Resident Evil 4 on my Switch. Been able to kind of compare and contrast those two has been fun. And of course, if you want to hear more uh, about my thoughts on that, uh, I have actually recorded with uh, Dan Rockwood from Victims and Villains our thoughts on the Resident Evil 4 remake. So go check that out uh, if you haven't listened to that episode already. Um, what else? Uh, Breath of the Wild. I know I've been I've been kind of uh, jumping back into that one again in preparation for Tears of the Kingdom. Also, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I've been playing a lot of re- lately again because uh, Jedi Survivors coming out later this month. So <laughs> excellent. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of prepping myself in a lot of ways. But yeah, that that's pretty much what I've been up to. Um, anything you think noteworthy that's happened? Uh. Like news wise, um, not that I've really heard heard of myself. Okay, just because it's been a while since part one, but um, yeah, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll compile everything that's kind of happened in the last month or so. The next time we do a news segment, but anyway, that that kind of wraps up the preliminaries, I guess. I want to jump right into uh, these games because I have a lot to say. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Alrighty, so starting off with Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Justice for All, we're, we're, we're going to start with the second game in the trilogy. Of course, um, if you haven't listened to part one uh, with our thoughts on the first uh, Ace Attorney game, I'd recommend you go listen to that first. Uh, and then, because we're going to be kind of jumping off of uh, our experience here. But Bo, again, this was your uh, first time playing through these games. Uh, what did you think of Justice for All? Well, Justice for All, I mean, to me, it's it doesn't add a whole lot new to the gameplay other than maybe the psycho locks, but to me, the this trilogy isn't really so much about the gameplay as it is about the story yes. and about the character development. And then it has that in droves. And these characters are just so iconic to me now. I mean... Like like the phase and I mean all the phase even you know even all the, the phase. Ev- <laughs> even the evil one you know Morgana Faye. I mean they're they're like just iconic to me now you know and also you know of course you know like uh, friend uh, Francisca von Karma friend Francisca yep a uh, new character for Justice for All she's the rival prosecutor of this game she is a very interesting character I mean very Ooh. multifaceted you know in so many ways and. And just always whipping people, always with the whip. I love Francisca. She's honestly, genuinely one of my favorite characters. She's fucking amazing. Um, I would love to see her come back like post time skip. But uh, as far as her portrayal in this game, what's really great is the first time I played this, you know, the first time you're playing through this game and uh, you meet her for the first time, you actually really hate her at first. I mean, you kind of thinking, you know, oh, hey, this is the daughter of Manfred von Kama, who was, you know, essentially the final boss of the last game, if you uh, don't include Rise from the Ashes. And it's interesting about how she's really kind of developed this uh, whole persona and her own little resume in such a short time. I mean, she started uh, around 13, right? 
Yeah, she started prosecuting at 13, and, uh, like her father, undefeated. Yeah, completely undefeated up to that point. And yeah, she does want revenge against uh, Phoenix Wright. So she uh, ends up uh, facing off with him pretty much like throughout this entire game. She does, and she's definitely got something to prove, and you can tell. And I think the, the deeper you dive into her character, the more you realize just what kind of a fucked up childhood you would have had as like a Von Karma kid. And, and uh, Edgeworth himself had to go through that because he, he kind of uh, was uh, something of an adoptive brother of hers. Yeah, who's, whom she sees as a younger brother, yeah. her little brother, by the way, even though she is the younger one here. But, I mean, she is like Von Karma's actual blood relative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so I guess in the family hierarchy, she is going to kind of, you know, be like that with uh, Edgeworth. Yeah, and I like how, like, her father, she insists on perfection. And, you know, everything is about uh, is about maintaining, you know, perfection. Although I guess she doesn't ever stoop to anything like uh, Von Karma did, her father. Not entirely, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that 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 dude was a fucking bastard. Uh, Francisca's actually a good person, and, and I love the kind of 180 that we do with the character. Is, like, at the very final case, she actually becomes an ally, and um, then we actually get to see this other side of Francisca that was completely masked before uh, during that uh, post credit scene, right? Oh, man, that, that was so perfect. You're just like, oh, man, it's like, damn. I mean, in the end, she's still just a kid, you know? I mean, she's been through her own bullshit and everything. She's still dealing with shit. Yeah, yeah, where she actually breaks down, you know? And uh, I, I think that that's great. And, and she definitely comes uh, back into Justice, or sorry, Trials and Tribulations with uh, just as big of a role uh, for the time that she's there. Um, and then uh, that's why, like, you get so attached to her character. You get attached to uh, Gumshoe. Salary cutting noises. Salary cutting noises. Ching, <laughs> ching, ching. Oh, Gumshoe is just as lovable in this game as uh, as the previous one. Yeah. And, and I really like his overall character arc throughout the uh, third game as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, gum, Gumfuck, as, as we like to call him. Is did, just did your, don't fuck not tell you. <laughs> he's a bastard, but he's a lovable bastard. Okay, a total lovable bastard. You're right. And uh, you know, I, I I think I think he he uh, he just he's just doing his best, man. He really is. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's just doing the best with what he has, and it's usually not a whole lot since apparently every time there's a murder, he just arrests the first person that has any shine of a suspicion upon them. He's doing his best, pal. He's doing. I'm doing my. Pe I'm doing my best, pal. <laughs> now you listen to me. I'm up here on the precinct. That that lady with the whip. She's whipping me all the time. It's like that. It's like I. I keep getting my salary cut. <laughs> it's bullshit. No, I love how like Gumshoe somehow involved is involved in every single case in the uh, original trilogy. And they even bring that up. They lampshaded in this one because he shows up near Kurain village. And it's like, wait, that wouldn't be in your jurisdiction, uh, Gumshoe. And then he's like, oh, no, well, I, I was in the area. Of course, I think it actually what ended up being because uh, my headcanon, if it wasn't if it's not confirmed, is that, you know, he was keeping an eye on Phoenix for Edgeworth. Probably. That's probably the most likely thing. Because they have that phone conversation, right? Yeah, near the end of the game, they have that conversation uh, before Edgeworth comes back. Yeah, the return of Edgeworth, of course. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's great. 
I like how, you know, moving from the second game on, uh, Shutakami felt that we can't continue to have uh, the supposedly genius prosecutor, you know, just lose case after case against Phoenix. So uh, eventually what, you know, or, or what he decided to do from the second game on was just uh, limit uh, Edgeworth's appearance, especially because he was such a popular character that he, you know, he felt he really just needed to kind of spread that out and just put just enough Edgeworth in. And it's why Edgeworth has this recurring trend of showing up in like the final case as essentially actually an ally at the opposite end of the court. Yeah, there are moments uh, in the in, near the end of the uh, game where he's on he's there on the, at the prosecutor's bench and you could tell that there's just shit that's bothering him about this witness, you know, he's just like mm, I don't know about this. Yeah, yeah, so Ryden Edgeworth work together and that actually comes to a head in the final case of uh, this game, which I I think we'll we'll do a case by case analysis here in a bit here. But um yeah, I, I, f- I really feel like their relationship comes to a head and there's a lot of tension in the air because Edgeworth is supposedly gone and Phoenix doesn't elaborate that. He doesn't elaborate on that. And then finally, Hell, they it, mentioned the whole Edge- Miles Edgeworth chooses death thing. I mean, Phoenix Wright is so perturbed by it that he actually bristles at Edgeworth's name and even snaps at Maya whenever it's, he's brought up. It's it, It's actually really interesting because, I mean, he's just that pissed at Edgeworth for you know, kind of bailing out on him, you know, when probably when he needed him, kind of. Yeah, and I, I think he makes the point that it didn't matter whether he was really dead or not because the Edgeworth that he knew was dead because he bailed. But it turns out Edgeworth was do- going on a journey of self-reflection. And I like how Takumi manages to kind of weave Phoenix's own version of that, questioning what his role as a defense attorney really is. It's also kind of interesting in regards to how Mia's instruction guides uh, Phoenix towards that end, you know? I mean, even after Mia is killed in the second uh, case of the of the first game, I believe it was the second case of yeah, the first yeah, game that she died, yeah. um, I mean, she still comes back through Pearl and Maya, you know, which I think a joke we made before, it's like, no matter what, as long as the phase, the phase are around, like, they're going to be haunting uh, Phoenix for the rest of his life. Exactly. I think, pretty I think much. Maya makes that joke. Yeah, Ab- we, we also absolutely. get introduced to Pearl, right? Yeah, we get introduced to Pearlie, who's just so adorable. She's the best, honestly. I know, yeah, yeah. She, she is an uh, adorable character. And uh, thankfully, you know, he actually gets quite, quite a bit of screen time, um, not appearing in every single case, but she, she's pretty prominent in the second and third game. Which is great because, like you said, I mean, she's also kind of the stand-in for uh, Maya whenever uh, it's needed to channel Mia. And so, you know, I, I kind of like how we even delve further into the Faye family. I mean, starting with, you know, the, the second case in uh, uh, Kurain Village, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're uh, kind of introduced to a little more of like the internal politics of the Faye clan, you know? Like the whole thing with the main family and the branch families and kind of uh, the history between Misty, Faye, and Morgana Faye? Yeah, yeah, between like Misty and Morgan, who uh, is actually, interestingly enough, uh, the culprit at, at the end of uh, a Reunion and Turnabout. And I like how uh, it was obvious here that, you know, Takumi was actually already laying out, you know, both games two and three because 
uh, her role is, is intentionally left open. And even even though she's prosecuted, even though she's in, in jail, I mean, they're still hinting, hey, there's something going on behind the scenes. And that doesn't come to a head until the final case of the next game. So you could tell that, you know, there's really kind of this long game going on here. Absolutely. I mean, and especially the way that, you know, you actually kind of figure that case out, mainly by figuring out what happens with uh, Eeny Miney, you know, who... Eeny Miney and, and, and Mimi Miney, right? Mimi Miney, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how that whole thing becomes... Uh, it, it, it's just a complete uh, switcheroo, pretty much, as far as their identities are concerned. So Yeah, I think it was with that case that I started realizing the whole hey, there's always some kind of like final twist that's like, even after you've already caught the culprit, there's one more thing that's going to turn this whole case about. But, but what's great about that is that it's always still a very logical train of thought that leads yes. you there. There is a logic to how you use the evidence and how you construct your case. Yeah, some, sometimes even, you know, ar arguably overly so with the game being a bit pedantic about you know the presentation I'm, I'm, but but when you think about it it all makes sense yeah i'm down with that pedantry you know because i think that that's what adds to the urgency of the courtroom uh parts yeah and, and kind of figuring some things out in advance and piecing the, the case together i think is something you're supposed to do because there's even moments where phoenix comes out and it, he suddenly talks about how like yeah no i i know what went down i've i, I already know about this and you're like okay yeah, like like Phoenix has figured it out, and and so like I love how there's just kind of this like like synchronicity going on with that, and um, you know, just being able to like again piece together these these uh, cases just with each piece of evidence, uh, with each with witness testimony, just getting closer and closer to the truth, and it never really puts a huge wall up on the. Uh on how accessible the solutions are, you know? Yeah. You, you, you don't, there, there's not really a huge learning curve here, but it's like if you are somebody who is very logical and, you know, can kind of use some uh, recent, or should I say, use some decent uh, deductive skills and whatnot, I mean, in many times you'll already figure out what's going on, you know, like well before you can even get to the point where you can present that evidence. You know, you already kind of have an idea as to how the case is going to play out. Exactly, exactly. But then there's oftentimes some last minute twist that's something like, okay, I did this came out of nowhere, like the Eeny and Mimi Miney twist. Like for in, in the next game, I had a moment in the very final uh, in Bridge to the Turnabout where I was just like, I actually I was like gasped, like, what? Yep. Wait, no. You know, it's like, we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but. Yeah, there's some uh, moments like that here, you know? Where, yeah. Like, like, for instance, going back to Eeny and Mimi Miney, you know, like how you really deduce that they're the same person. That, or that, you know, this is uh, Mimi, you know, who's taken over as Eeny. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's such a, like, like it's, a, it's a total, like, shift. And it's kind of almost, you know, stretches the uh, the boundaries of, uh, of belief you know the, the suspension of disbelief but it's still there it's still like okay um i think the next case turnabout big top really pushes the boundaries on that now i'm <laughs> gonna say i really like uh, i i really like uh turnabout big top i really like it turnabout big top okay it is the i'm gonna say it it is the the weakest uh case in the entire trilogy 
in my opinion. Uh, and it's definitely the weakest case in this game. It suffers from the Game 3 syndrome. It's for a couple things that really brag, drag it down. Um, the... Uh, the, the pedo stuff, yeah. I mean, that's Def, definitely that. There's there's some creepy pedo stuff there. Yeah. The well, okay. It's just it's very uncomfortable. It's like if if, if the character was at least eighteen, it would be like it would still be kind of creepy, but okay. Because you've got Max Galactica who's uh, in his twenties and he's simping after a sixteen year old girl, and then you've got the ventriloquist uh, Ben. <laughs> the, it's the puppet that that actually. Uh, wants to be with regina but even but the puppet so is ben, the bro. puppet is ben <laughs> but then again i don't know in this continuity like 30s, bro but it's i like, mean uh, but hey as far as regina is concerned she thinks the goddamn puppet is real she's that out of it man that's what makes it worse that's man. what makes it's it worse she's got she's, the mentality of like a child i know it's so terrible it's yeah. like oh my god man and but other than that though i will i, I will give this case you know um a, a, a I think it, it it did this as about as well as it could have, but treating like an actual like accidental uh, occurrence, you know, where the, the killer did have intent to murder, but they accidentally killed somebody else. I think that's what makes that the saddest case in in this game, particularly, is because it doesn't really feel like anybody. Th- there were good people here who were just led astray. Yeah, like the, the the final culprit, like he Acro, yeah, Acro. He had a real reason to want to hurt Regina, unfortunately. But the sad thing about that is, as far as Regina was concerned, he she loved the both of them. You know, I mean, yeah. and 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 the prank that led to that, it, it wasn't even anything malicious. It was just her being a fucking child. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, it, it's such a nuanced case in a lot of ways, and that's why. But like. I think once they get to like how the whole thing went down, it's like okay, so they uh, Acro the the uh, paraplegic uh, retired acrobat, you know, uh, lowers using a pendulum uh, a bust to kill somebody who is supposed to be Regina, but he can't actually look up to see who it is so it ends up being her dad the the ringmaster yep who happens to be bent over a box that was lowered to the ground so that his head would be right in the position right lowers the fucking bust which is you know produces a silhouette of max galactica for uh, a couple eyewitnesses uh-huh. or one eyewitness i should say yep and and, and then the 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 ringmaster happens to be wearing Max's cape, which falls off of him at the moment of impact, catches on the fucking bust, and creates the <laughs> illusion of Max Galactica, the defendant, flying up. And there you go. I mean, there, there, there's an example of where near the end of the uh, of each case, you're really starting to just reach for fucking uh, different types of deductions, you know, like completely outside the box. I mean, they, they tell you to think outside the box several times. Yeah. It's it, 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 it's it's a real fucking twist. And and like I think I remember like us playing and like seeing like the wheels turn for you and I was like like it, it's kind of a reach. You have to really kind of turn it around and think, okay, what if this and and, and that happens to be the case that it, it but but it I think it does it does work, especially being that the defendant is a magician. So it's like what if a uh uh, a, a murder was basically an uh, accidental magic trick. <laughs> this won't be the the the, fir- the this won't be the last time we see a magic trick. Not, not so much a crime. magic trick, but a an illusion. You know, yeah. 
but that that's ultimately what that is. That's what I mean, though, is like. Ultimately, you know, ultimately, that is what modern magic is. It's very much a, a, illusion. They're illusionists in the end. Yeah. So that's kind of cool in that respect. It's just kind of unfortunate about the character relationships. Um, and uh, kind of unfortunate that it's just, it's such a big stretch of disbelief that it almost kind of takes me out for a second. And, <laughs> and I know yeah. this series is goofy, but like, come on. But you know what? Whatever. It's not a bad case by any means. Um, moving back, we didn't really talk about the like tutorial case. Oh, yeah. Maggie Bird's case. Maggie Bird is a great character, man. She's very likable, like almost immediately. You're just like, no way she's a killer. Well, and see, Recipe for Turnabout, which would later end up in Trials and Tribulations, was originally planned to be in, in this game, and it was going to be a, a five cases. Shu Takami actually penned five cases for this, um, but the limitations of the GBA prevented it. Uh, you know, th there, there were memory issues and, or limitations, so they just didn't have enough space for the... Um, for the recipe for turnabout. So it kind of makes a lot of sense then when you think about how they introduce Maggie within that tutorial case and that she would later play a role in the same game. Yeah, and also how they uh, go about the the uh, tutorial case itself and that uh, Phoenix has amnesia and has to kind of get his bearings back a little bit feels like something that i guess they had to do at some point it's like okay we're gonna come up with a funny reason to make it look like for phoenix not and, to know what he's and, doing in court what so better, people can explain it to him and what better than amnesia i mean that's exactly <laughs> the type of uh pulp tv uh courtroom drama bullshit that you would ex expect out of uh something like this you know that's yeah. going all balls out on its craziness yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is. Yeah, very balls to the wall. the The culprit is like this, like pretentious asshole. And again, like you know, immediately, I think this is the one case in this game that shows you who the culprit is. You know, at the very beginning. So, it, but but you still like taking this this little shit down is is satisfying. Um, you know, taking down Eeny Miney and our Acro on the other hand is like Acro. You know, that's what like oh. That's the really, I think, why I like Turnabout Big Top the, the best is because Acro is one of the hardest, hardest fucking witnesses to crack because mm -hmm. he doesn't have a meltdown. He doesn't melt. Like he, he cries at the end because of, you know, what he went through. But he, he doesn't have that huge meltdown moment. He's calm. He's collected. And he's always countering Phoenix's uh, Phoenix's uh, objections with uh, more logic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, he's definitely very, very intelligent. Yeah, methodical to a point, even. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it is fucking crazy, um, which is cool because he has a contrast to, say, like, case one where, you know, you have honestly like this little shit that is, is, is in too deep, makes a, hu a fatal mistake because he freaks out because of a police uniform. And uh, yeah, yeah. But but, you know, he's the tutorial case. He's supposed to be easy. And of course, the prosecution is fucking pain again. Oh, yeah. Pain is uh, is an awesome uh, tutorial prosecutor. I it's think. always a member of the pain family prosecuting in the first case. That's, that's kind of a, <laughs> a tradition. Winston Payne and Gaspin Payne. Gaspin Payne's brother. Yeah. Uh, their, uh, their ancestor, uh, Auchi. Auchi, uh, the great Ace Attorney Aucci? Chronicles. Uh, is is that really how I think it's a reference to Auchi? Like Aucci? like Auchi? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I believe so. God. Actually, oh my god, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> um, let's see. And there's a there's a pain light character who has a similar name pun, but it's not pain. And uh, 
uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright even. But yeah, yeah, Payne is always the um, Payne, uh, a member of the Payne family is always your your tutorial uh, prosecutor, um, and I love it because he's so like woefully incompetent that it's like yeah, it, it, it it's 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 ridiculous, and, and that's why it works. You know, it's kind of like a first case, uh, and then you know you then you get introduced to you know whoever's going to be running the show from here, and in this game it's uh, Francisca, right, for the next two cases anyway. Phoenix Wright, you are the foolish. You are the foolish. You're the foolishly foolish fool that has ever fooled in a foolishly foolish way. <laughs> so, so something to that effect, I think. But no, nah, no, nah, Francesca von Karma like steals the show in many of these cases. I feel. Oh, in many ways. Yeah, uh, one she, of she does. definitely my favorite characters. Uh, which is interesting too, because when you when you think about it, she's only the uh, prosecutor for two cases, but she still really gets to know her. I feel like. Oh yeah, you really get kind of deep into her mind a little bit. I even. mean, technically, she only she she only prosecutes in uh, two of the cases in this game and one in the next. But I still feel like she's like as big of a character as like Edgeworth or Gumshoe. It's and, just like you know, and also an incredibly popular character as well in her own right. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, she's fucking amazing um, as as a character and, and just, yeah. Um, and then, of course, in the final case of the game, we actually have Edgeworth taking over, um, which, you know, feels like, yeah, it's obligatory. We've got to have that, like, showdown here. We have to. It's It's got to be that showdown between Phoenix and Edgeworth. And Edgeworth is actually showing Phoenix how, you know, what it... Like, pushing him in the direction that he needs to go to really examine, you know, what is my role? What, 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 a, you know, what is my job as a defense attorney? Like Edgeworth did for, as a prosecutor. That, that is something that's interesting about the underlying themes of Phoenix, right? Is really, you know, what does it mean to search for the truth? What does it mean to be a lawyer? What does it mean to seek justice? And you that's know. what makes Farewell My Turnabout easily the best case of this game, in my opinion. Uh, one of my favorite cases in the in the franchise overall, because, um, yeah, uh, it, it, it really actually puts you in that position where, okay, Phoenix is, by the end of the case, you realize, you know, in between a rock and a hard place where the he knows that his defendant is actually guilty. Like, exploring the question of what will Phoenix do in a situation where the defendant is actually guilty and, you know, because he always believes in his clients until the very end. Well, now he knows for a fact that's not true. And and or but on the other hand, you know, Maya's been kidnapped and her life is on the line and is resting on him getting an acquittal. So it, it's just this the stakes are higher than ever. It puts this tension throughout the whole case. It is quite possibly the most anxious case out of the entire series because of that, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, in many ways, the clock is ticking, but also the way where you still end up you know, taking on the Shelby to killer in court, you know, through a transceiver and everything. And, and, you know, how you have to like really attack him in a way, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I love, love, love how this game ends with the, um, the, the final thing you have to do is choose to present a specific piece of uh, new evidence that Francisca managed to get to you in the nick of time with Gumshoe's help or Gumshoe with Francisca's help, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Taking yeah. one of those pieces of evidence and showing it to a particular witness in order to basically nullify the hold that Matt Ongard and Shelley DeKiller have on Phoenix yeah, and it's brilliant how it's how it's done, and it it just uh, goes back to the concept of honor, 
You know, it's like, is, you know, I mean, that's what the killer operates off of is, you know, a code of honor. Yeah. And so gets him, he basically, he, he realizes at the end of this, you know, we, we have to prolong this trial. And I know you and I were pressing on every statement to prolong this trial as yeah, much as possible. But, but, but also you can't let the, the killer on as to what you're trying to do. He will figure it out. Exactly. He will begin to start being like, right, I don't like the way that your tone is. Do you, something's wrong here. It, it's such a panic-inducing case. It's like just this prevalent, persistent threat um, right up until the end. And then you realize, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to either get Shelly to kill her to, uh, to, to break the contract with Matt Ongard, or I have to get Matt Ongard to want a guilty verdict. You end up accomplishing both of those things using the right piece of evidence with the right witness, which is Shelly to kill her. Mm-hmm. Yep showing Shelly the killer that Matt Ongard was filming him to use as blackmail, but accomplishing both of those tasks at the same time. And um, it, it's fucking brilliant. And it really, really, really hammers home the Phoenix's character growth because it shows how capable he is as a defense attorney. He could have won this case. He absolutely could have. If he didn't pursue the truth and put his place's trust in Edgeworth. Yeah, Exactly. And it leads to exactly the kind of uh, the kind of verdict that you want. Like, like we went ahead and just said, "No, nah, he's guilty." You know, because you know Maya would kill you if you let him uh, go. You know, exactly. Rega- regardless, there's uh, there's a point in the game where you have to make that hard decision, where it's like, you know, I have to either I have, you know, y- but you remember because Maya said, if if you get him guilty, I'll never forgive you. And it's like, even if she dies, like I can't fucking do this. And it is it really puts you there. But then you find out, you know, you get Shelly to kill her to let her go. And just taking down that on guard is so satisfying. Um, of course, Phoenix gets a hit to his, as of then, um, undefeated record. But he realizes that that doesn't matter. No, what matters is the truth in the end. And Edgeworth and him are on the same page. Absolutely. Because, because you know, they, they both want to uh, find Maya. They, they both want Maya released. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It, it it's tremendous for Phoenix's character journey. Um, the my only really gripes, I guess, about Justice for All is that unlike the other two games in the trilogy, it doesn't have as like cohesive of an overarching narrative. Like nothing in like the first case really like or, or you know or I guess I should say like the second case really like culminates in anything in the final case like you would expect. But that's okay because it it is setting things up for later. And um, I think that there's more of a thematic um, o- overarching narrative going on here. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the, than a storytelling one. So Justice for All, in my opinion, is, is, is the weakest of the trilogy, which is <laughs> I, I say that really, you know, in a sense that it's a fantastic fucking game. I just, you know, it, it's not as good. It's a little bit shorter. There's really only one case that's like, wow, this really knocked it out of the park for me. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it, it's consistent with the level of, of quality as the first game, you know, and, and as the game that would come after it, um, th- getting you really involved in these characters getting you involved and in, in invested in the story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just, and just really kind of even jumping off of what Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney did. Like you said, there were a few gameplay changes. I mean, one of those was really just uh, the psych, the Cyclops thing, uh, which 
it does add an a, a, a you know does add a little bit of uh, it, it makes the investigation segments a little bit more fun in my opinion. Yeah, it kind of brings the actual uh, same mechanic that you use in the courtroom into the investigations a little bit. Exactly, that's why I like the Cyclops mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, and it's exciting in its own right because I mean you're it's it's you versus this one character and you're just trying to kind of uh, have a little battle of wits with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you, they're not necessarily a culprit. They just have something to hide. Mm-hmm. And and you're getting to the bottom of that. And you may not have the evidence to take them to you know to get that out of them yet, so you investigate a little bit more, collect a few more things and come back and and break them. And uh, I, I really kind of like how, you know, we made the investigation segments a little bit more enjoyable. It, it seemed like, you know, they were actually making efforts to improve on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other the only other major thing, I think, is the ability to uh, present uh, wit- or, or uh, people pr- present profiles uh, in court or um, presenting to other people or during uh, cyclocks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was that really a different uh, mechanic? Yeah, the first game didn't have that. It was only huh. evidence. And this game, Interesting. yeah, the profile, I mean, the profiles were always in the court record, but this game allowed you to present them. And uh, not too often, but sometimes the a profile is the uh, evidence needed to uh, make a, or to, to make clear a, a contradiction in court. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like you did this because of this person right here. Or it's like, you know, I believe that this person is the killer. It's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, that, that, that's a good mechanic, and it kind of expands the gameplay a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the soundtrack's good. Um, I, I, I will say I think my favorite is the first game, followed by the third game. Um, but the soundtrack is really, really good. It's, it's really catchy. There's a lot of really awesome, awesome tracks. Absolutely, man. I mean, I've been jamming the... Uh, Pretty much the entirety of uh, the Phoenix Wright uh, music canon, like pretty much in the last few weeks. And I mean, I've come across quite a few from uh, this game right here, and it's it's among the best out of the uh, series, I think. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah. Well, any anything else to add about uh, Justice for All before we get into Trials and Tribs? Um, other than that, Turnabout Big Top is the greatest case ever. Yeah. Um, not really. Man, we didn't even talk about Mo the Clown. Mo the Clown. Oh, God, this motherfucker. <laughs> I love how you were like, well, the clown did it. The clown did it. No, the first thing I was like, clown did it. Clown did it. The uh, fucking clown did it. And then we met the ventriloquist, and you were like, the ventriloquist did it. No, the puppet did the it. Puppet the, did it. That's the puppet right. did it. The it's, puppet it, did it. It's, it's a Chucky thing. The puppet <laughs> did it. No, nah, but I mean, I also noticed that, you know, Mo has that cap on, and it has a, uh, a mouth up there that also emotes with him. I like how he's Lawrence Curls, a.k.a. Mo. Lawrence Curls, a.k.a. Mo, a, a great Three Stooges reference right there. And then they re- frequently refer to him as a, as a stooge or a stoogey character. Yeah, he's, to- he's a total stooge. That's funny. But he's the one character, or not, not the one, but one of the only characters that uh, or witnesses that you can actually... Uh, lose credibility by pressing and they make that clear if you press the wrong statement you will you will get a penalty yeah it's because he just goes off and fucking makes a bad joke and the joke is like it's just like nope nope not having that <laughs> i am not having this shit in my courtroom i think that's the other reason people really hate turn about big top yeah it is <laughs> i can understand but i don't know i just can't help but like it you know Maybe because of the ending, you know, where it's just like, oh, well, you know, they, they are kind of their own little family and everything, you know, and they they actually do kind of care about the circus and whatnot. 
you yeah. know, and and each other a little bit. Objection! For me, uh, Farewell by Turnabout is, is easily the standout uh, in this game, uh, and I think it, it is peak Ace Attorney for me. Really, really, really interesting where they take Phoenix's character journey, um, and, I, and I like what they did uh, with, with his journey kind of throughout this game. Um, I like the... Um I like the Thebes. I like getting to know these characters a little bit more. I like the subtle improvements in gameplay. But I love, I love, love, love Trials and Tribulations even more. Um, Trials and Tribulations is easily my favorite game in the franchise. This is a very solid entry. Very solid. I liked all the cases here. They were all very, they, they had a great narrative all the way through yeah. going to the end. And how it all just kind of came together in the end was really, really awesome everything gets wrapped up in bridge to the turnabout that's what's crazy about it is it wraps up everything with a nice little bow um i think where trials and tribulations really wins out is that it's total focus on story no new like game gameplay uh additions to really speak of here i don't think they change anything about the gameplay at all it, they just strictly focused on tying up every loosen in this trilogy and having a really fucking good story exactly you know i mean it's Especially even in the uh, first case, you know, the, the, the both Mia cases are actually really superb because it actually sets up this rivalry between her and Dahlia Hawthorne and how it just uh, goes through the to the final case. And it's just like everything just comes together there. Yeah, exactly. Like like everything comes to a head. I like how Trials and Tribulations uh, sets its tutorial case uh, as a as a flashback trial, it is it actually opens up uh, in the shoes of Mia Fey. Absolutely, and we are also introduced to one attorney, Diego Armando. Not in this case, we're not. Not in this. Oh yeah, that's right. But late late later in in one of her flashback cases, yes. Um, but yeah, no, I love how it opens up with Mia and then it, uh, brings it back. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, like it really just ties it all together in that final case. Um, you even get a, a, a bit of a chance to play as Edgeworth in court. That was really fun. You know, Edgeworth as a defense attorney, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that that was really great. And against Francisca von Karma of all people. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. Phoenix or uh, um, Edgeworth versus uh, Francisca. Really, really, really cool to see that. And that's how they kind of bring Francisca into this game. Uh, she acts as the uh, the prosecutor in that the first trial of the the last case. Uh, and then in the uh, last trial, it's it's Phoenix versus Godot again because you got to like take this guy down and figure out uh, what's going on. Let's talk about Godot because you mentioned Diego Armando already. Diego Armando, oh man, what a badass dude! I mean, he is just—I mean, he starts off as uh, Mia's uh, mentor essentially. He's poisoned by Dahlia Hawthorne, goes into a coma, and goes through hell. And then comes back and he's just he holds Phoenix accountable for Mia's death and he's just going to take him down for that. Exactly. It's a, but it's a great character arc. For the majority of the game, you don't know that. He just has some kind of weird uh, animosity toward Wright, but he's this unknown prosecutor, has never prosecuted a single trial. In fact, he says that. He goes, I'm undefeated. And then he goes, Well, you've never prosecuted a single trial. That's correct. But I thought you said you were undefeated. Exactly. <laughs> just just the way that he uses rhetoric and uses wordplay is amazing, you know? And he's a coffee addict. This dude, you know, Francisca has her whip. So uh, 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 fucking uh, Godot, Godot he, you know, has, has the coffee his... thing where the coffee, some unknown third party is always sliding down seven, exactly 17 cups of coffee per trial. It's like, who's, where's he getting the coffee from? <laughs> Who's giving him? Because the judge giving him coffee over and over. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on there? It's it's like the coffee is just coming from Hammer Space. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's great. You know what's funny is apparently originally, Godot was gonna be like ch- chain smoking and, uh, and 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 like sipping whiskey in court. Oh, I'm sure that that wouldn't go down well here in the states. They toned or, it down, or even, and, or even in Japan for that matter. They toned it down and made him a coffee addict. But even so, I mean, it works for him. Uh, I love his fucking theme that plays that really conveys everything about his character that like kind of it's jazz and so it's kind of like it, it, it works on like the surface level and then once you really get to the bottom of his character and you listen through it there's kind of this somber uh, piano solo that, that really kind of conveys this, the, this, the sadness behind his character. Yeah, it's, I mean, going going off of uh, the character arc that I mentioned before, I mean, it's like he he he's in a coma. He wakes up, and the the one person that he really cared about the most is gone. And the and then he, of course, he's going to hold Phoenix right accountable for that, you know. But just just the way that he comes back and he just coolly and calmly just go, comes up to the fucking comes into the courtroom, and then he just. Just presents his case. He do, does not give a fuck, and that, that's what's awesome. He he has zero fucks to give because he's he's died already, pretty much. He's already died. He's and he's dead. Exactly, and and it it's just it, it's he's such a great fucking character. Easily the best prosecutor, uh, in my opinion, uh, in the series. He's uh, just such a cool character that I, I think for some reason you actually like immediately love just his whole you know just just random uh uh rhetoric and or seemingly random that like you don't know what he's even driving at the coffee thing throwing the coffee mugs at right oh right in his face like the disrespect god damn he, he just calls him trite trite calls him trite 
throughout the entire game until the very final case at the very end where he finally demonstrates his respect by calling him uh, Phoenix Wright by his name. And he says, you know, he's drinking his coffee and he goes, you know, out of out of uh, all of the, the cu- cups of coffee that I've, I've drank in court, this is the best I've ever had. Don't you agree, Phoenix Wright? And Phoenix is on the other side drinking the coffee and he agrees. He's like, I agree. It's like, yeah, that that's a badass moment. Even it though really he is. is the final culprit of that case, you know, it's kind of like, oh, but he was trying to protect Maya. Yeah, and, and he, the only reason that he even acted is because he saw Dahlia and he just couldn't help it. He was just that pissed at Dahlia Hawthorne. Yeah, such a great character. Uh, just, just phenomenal. Uh, from beginning to end, I love how like bits and pieces of what would eventually what, what what would be his undoing are leaked throughout the other cases in this game. I mean, they 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 really foreshadow the whole um, the whole not being able to see red on white thing very early on, and it's kind of a blink and you miss it kind of thing, and you, that later comes up, and you're like, oh. Uh huh. Exactly. You're like, oh, so that's why this happened. That's what that meant. Or yeah. whenever they foreshadow the whole uh, the visor being able to see that in the dark. There's at one point in a trial where you know Vina, the, the lights go off and uh, his Jordy visor glows in the dark. His jo- Jordy LaForge visor. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and you know it's kind of that there, there's some foreshadowing going in there. There's a setup because later on that's going to get brought up in court, and Phoenix is going to use that to demonstrate what actually happened at the murder scene. Yeah, exactly. Everything ties in together, and it's really fucking cool. So I guess, like, yeah, let's kind of jump into it case by case here briefly. Um, of course, we we mentioned that you start the very first case as Mia. Uh, she is defending Phoenix. Yeah, defending Phoenix uh, over a poisoning. And this is where we really get the first, uh, our first glimpse of Dahlia Hawthorne. Dahlia, oh. oh man, what a piece of work she is. Thankfully, you take her down in this case, which <laughs> is going to be your saving grace later in a you know most in a, a pseudo unresolved case later on with Mia. But it was cool to be able to see this younger side of Mia, who is this is her second court or her second case ever, um, and she's a rookie attorney. And uh, just kind of getting to see her and, and getting to see Phoenix pre-attorney as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's wearing a uh, sweater with uh, with a heart and with a P in it and everything. It's like and that, that was made by uh, Dahlia or should I say Iris? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I say Iris who, who made it? But, yeah, he's such a fucking dolt, though. He's so head over heels for... Uh, for Dahlia. The whole courtroom is. Everybody is. The you know? judge, the uh, the prosecutor, Winston Payne again, and his uh, uh, a little bit younger. He still has hair. Uh, and <laughs> Mia actually ends up, ends up uh, blowing it off. <laughs> exactly. He has, like, he's like a pompadour and everything that he always plays with, which is like even, even in his, uh, uh, his animation when he doesn't have the hair, he still does that. So it's like some subconscious thing. Yeah. He still plays with his hair. Yeah, it's funny. That's kind of funny because that, that's a weird animation that like before you realize that that's what he was doing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, he was, he was playing with his pompadour. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you get it's it's uh, Mia versus Pain. Uh, but Dahlia is, is really, you know, the villain you're taking down here. And man, just um, 
the what what happens with this character like i'm so glad that not only do you take her down here but at the end of the game you take her down like for good you take her ego down her spirit fails and you do the only thing that you could possibly do to somebody who's already dead Exactly. Yeah, you pretty much banish her from this existence, practically. You, you, you banish her legacy, in a way. Yeah, kill her ego. So you Kill her ego. And then, and, and then that, of course, that releases Maya, who's uh, been channeling uh, Dahlia the whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that is also another moment where it's kind of like, if you're thinking about it, you're going to figure that out and realize, because who else could have been channeling her? Exactly. But even Dahlia herself hasn't hasn't actually apparently thought about it <laughs> yeah or but, i guess she assumes that, sh- that she's pearl for some reason and uh, and you know dahlia ultimately was involved in uh, mia's first case where it, it, it was actually a uh, a whole deal over a uh, uh, two million dollar ruby or something like that yeah some, some kind of gem and it was a it was another case where it, it really gets confusing here because there's a case from five years before this case which was six years before the rest of the cases in this game uh <laughs> Talia was involved in uh, and again very unfortunate connotations but at least with this character it's like he's clearly mentally challenged. yeah he's mentally challenged and doesn't understand what's really going on but he's not a murderer and that's the thing you know he's he's just twisted around uh uh Dahlia's finger i mean she's she's it it's um yeah, she, it's really she gross. pretty much indirectly murders him. Yeah, because his teen angel. Ugh. Oh yeah, that that's ugh. yeah, that's not cool. But even so, I mean, yeah, just just kind of you feel bad for him having been brought into this. And I like how uh, Takumi managed to take two attorneys that are supposedly undefeated, you know, and putting them against the to get against each other during their first ever trial. Like, how do we how do we manage to keep their record? spotless and the answer is is that this case is unresolved the defendant kills himself at the end and it's like wow yeah that that was a hell of a fucking gut punch it was just like whoa and of course uh, edgeworth was the prosecutor in this case right and, yeah and it really hit him hard too yeah, edgeworth too yeah yeah yeah. it hit edward edgeworth and mia hard yeah and it, it doesn't end on a good note except that you, you except that you know that the sheet does get taken down later and then the final case even kind of like adds more on top of that um going back to uh, the second and third cases the stolen turnabout is actually one of my favorite cases stolen turnabout is great it really I, is i love the whole jolt, uh, double jeopardy thing i love how basically what you have to do again showing phoenix's his growth his expertise at this point that he manages to get his client acquitted of of uh of larceny oh yeah old mask the mask uh, yeah yeah only to have to basically recant part of of what was revealed during that trial that he was masked to mask in order to uh because <laughs> okay so uh and godot actually weaves it this way despite having more knowledge and 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 does this on purpose but um you you acquit him of larceny and apparently that implicates him in murder so you later have to because now you've proven that he was at this place well now he's the prime suspect for murder now you have to basically uh in court recant what you norm what you had previously said you know he is the the thief master mask but he's not a murderer but because of double jeopardy he cannot be tried uh for uh his crimes of thievery 
Exactly. So he gets away with it, and him and his wife Desi, who is adorable. Yeah. Honestly, those two are 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 favorite characters of mine in this game because they have such a great relationship. I mean, Desi is just like so down for her man. She is. It's she great. Really is. They're they're honestly adorable. And, and and in the end, they end up being like a. Uh, they they, they kind of like have a security or a, or a crime fighting uh, business after that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, right? something to that effect. Like, like pretty much makes mask the mask like a uh, like a vigilante this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something so, something of that nature, right? Yeah. And and it, it's really because you know he is actually like like again this is a good person. He's just yeah he is actually guilty of uh, uh, of stealing something, but it was all. Uh, Yep. mostly masterminded by luke at me <laughs> oh it was yeah it was luke at me that was uh, doing that because he wanted to raise his profile as a uh, as a ace detective another great culprit oh he's great and taking him down in court is hilarious you know savari 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 but, but what a testament to phoenix's skill that he's able to just turn turn this whole thing around and even though luke at me had basically set this trap up and um Basically, uh, uh, you know, masterminded getting pl- plan to get a uh, a not guilty verdict uh, again, utilizing uh, double jeopardy. Yeah, he was trying to get a, a guilty verdict as, as an mas- alibi, as mask to mask, as an alibi. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a really intricate, intricate case, and I think again, it's a testament to, to Phoenix's skill at this point that he's able to pull it off, and and, and really just kind of reveal and pursue the truth here. Uh, interesting that this, you know, basically occurs canonically right after Farewell, My Turnabout. Yeah, that's really interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> again, dealing with the the question of well, what if you know the client really is guilty of something? Well. It turns out he's not guilty of the specific crime that was that that he was uh, being prosecuted for, um, w- w- which was uh, theft of the uh, the sacred urn, which makes a return from justice for all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it's great to see the uh, tre- the, the whole treasures of Kurain uh, uh, exhibition and everything, and also having Adrian Andrews come back into the. We didn't even mention Adrian Andrews yeah. from the last game, but she, you know the the poor character that she basically had to expose her weakness and court her mental illness yeah pretty much it's like you had to kind of make her vulnerable and she almost got uh she almost had uh, as, uh murder accusations uh, levied at her she was almost uh uh she was almost uh labeled guilty so because because of you because you're trying to get matt on guard who you did at the time believe was innocent uh, a not guilty verdict but later on you know when you realize it you're kind of like well if I let him get away with this, she would be the scapegoat. And now that I know the truth, I'm glad that her story got better in uh, in the stolen turnabout. Yeah, she's, she's she's doing a lot better, even though she can be a little bit neurotic if things don't go her way. Like, like for instance, when you discover what happened uh, with the uh, with the urn and how she broke it. Yep. And, and you realize how many times this goddamn fucking urn has been busted up by people. Yeah, well, one more time even because of uh, we find out at the end of Bridge of the Turnabout. So. Yeah, exactly. So at least three separate occasions this, this fucking urn has been broken. Yep, and put back together hastily. Yeah, yeah. Usually by, by, kill, by kids. Mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on, uh, recipe for turnabout. Uh, again, suffer, it's, the, it's, it's the case three. Um, you can definitely argue that it's the weakest case of this game, but it's not bad. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's uh, Jean Armstrong. The according to the localization team, the um, uh, 
gay cis man who enjoys performing uh, non-passing drag. Sounds about right. That's that's what he looks like. He he's a very uh, he has some masculine features and also some not some in between. Yeah, some feminine. Yeah. So, so as a witness, I think the most interesting thing about uh, Recipe for Turnabout is actually is the whole uh, imposter plot. Uh, again, kind of a, a testament to Phoenix's growth at this point. I mean, he's so well known now that people are actually using his name to <laughs> do some shady shit. Like, I I can't believe that this dude in this case bullshitted his way into into a courtroom with with a goddamn cardboard badge. <laughs> <laughs> fucking taking up the name of like an up and coming celebrity uh, defense attorney and actually pulled it off and got did did so badly that on purpose that it got uh, Maggie convicted. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I love how you know it, all it takes apparently is spiky hair and a blue suit, and despite the fact that this dude had a completely different uh, complexion, a uh, Brooklyn accent, Bro- Brooklyn accent, with, <laughs> totally different build with, with orange. Like in New York accent with with, with orange skin. Hmm. Orange skin. Huh. Uh Uh (laughs) Orange skin, you say. That's hilarious. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, no, this guy, Furio Tigre, the tiger. Um, Hey, what you you talking about, bro? (laughs) What the fuck he's talking about? But I love the way that you take him down. Again, I think that that is also kind of PK's attorney there because um, what you do is you find out, like, everything about this case has been phony. There was a phony attorney that was actually the culprit, uh, a a phony victim, and and a a phony murder scene made in order to uh, pin the crime on the defendant. Uh, Everything up to this case has been phony. So Phoenix ends it off with, well, why don't I just end this with phony evidence? Takes the the new piece of evidence that's valid evidence, not forged, but valid evidence that Gumshoe gets for him at the last minute, but ultimately wouldn't be helpful on its own. Bullshits his way, basically (laughs) totally bluffs to the max and and bullshits his way into getting uh, Furio Tigre to confess. It's really fucking awesome. I Trips mean, him up. And, and, and you really want to take this guy down because he is a, such a fucking asshole. It's like, I mean, he, out of all the characters in all of these, uh, all three of these games, this dude is the biggest fucking asshole. So he it's is. just like, oh, man, it's like, no, fuck this guy. Like, even near the end, it's like, I'm going to penalize you money, money right Fuck you. Like, it's like, I'm like, oh, fuck you, dude. Take this gonna... bastard down. Yeah, fuck you. I'm not going to pay you money, asshole. Nah. And, and yeah, I, I love that it's great. You get him to slip up by, by <laughs> such a dirty trick. Ba- yeah, basically it. just pulling one over on him. Yeah. Like, you absolutely. present valid evidence saying that it's something that it's not and get him to correct him. <laughs> 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 Implicating himself. It's really awesome. Fucking amazing. Again, like, again, that's Phoenix's skill here. Um, he's so much more competent here than, than he's ever been. And I love seeing that journey from rookie defense attorney to, you know, this this veteran, this, uh, you know, like you said, pseudo celebrity that that is known for uh, his uh, his uh, massive uh, bluffery. And <laughs> yeah, he's just known for uh, pulling off mir- miracles in court by that point. Yeah, You're just pull, pull, pulling uh, not guilty verdicts out of nowhere, and and the truth is on Phoenix's side, and I think that there is something to be said about his ability to uncover the truth. But a lot of times, the road to getting there is just basically like, like 
I, I love how the game gives you situations where logically you may not really have an idea what to present. You're kind of just bluffing, and Phoenix is doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if you are a bullshitter, you will excel at this game because, and also if you know how to sniff out bullshit because. Yeah, th there's a lot of testimony in the, in this uh, in these cases where you're just like, nope, bullshit. You you are fucking full of shit, like absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a lot more. Um, I, I think there's even a lot more strategy to the way that that Phoenix goes about, and like, you know, where in, in previous games, you know, he would kind of like freak out, and you as the player may may be able to figure it out, but like Phoenix is still freaking out and and not quite there, and then somebody has to come in at the last minute and save his ass. Uh, I. I you know, as we get towards the the final case yeah, the, of the trilogy, yeah, that that starts to happen less and less, less and less. And yeah. Phoenix kind of like digs himself out, and he does rely on some dumb luck. That's that the, the, the don't uh, take me wrong, but there's a lot less of it. And and I think it's to the point that it's like, what can he do with the deck that he's dealt uh, that really defines him? Yeah, sometimes you're served a shit sandwich and you have to just kind of take a bite and figure out what to do with it, you what, know? What does Francisca say? She's like, you know, he has to be either the unluckiest or the luckiest man that I know. I know. Like, like, like she's like taking it back that he was uh, able to make it out of the uh, Eagle River and everything. You yeah. Know? Like, like uh, with nothing more than a cold. It's like, yeah, that, that has to be dumb luck. <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, getting into the final case, Bridge to the Turnabout, my favorite case in the entire series. Um, I love how everything is tied up um, in some form or fashion from DL6, uh, Morgan Fay, uh, Misty Fay, the, uh, uh, the themes, you know, like what was going on with, with Mia, uh, with the flashback cases in this game, Maya's character journey, this guy Godot that shows up here. Everything is tied up in the most satisfying way. I'm honestly kind of sad that we didn't get to see more of Misty Faye. Honestly. Oh, yeah. It's like I shows mean, up for two minutes. You don't know who she is and she's the victim. Yeah. I mean, that kind of sucks. I mean, it would have been great for Misty and Maya to have a moment together. You know, they do have a moment, Bo. Uh, oh, that is. <laughs> well, yeah, they, you're right. They do. Technically speaking. Technically speaking. But it, I'm talking about a moment where they reunite as mother and daughter. And it's just like after 17 years. Also, this case, I think, marks the first time where, like, spirit channeling was, like, admissible testimony in court. I mean, it, it was danced around in uh, Reunion and Turnabout back in the, the, the second game. Yeah. Where it was kind of like, okay, they acknowledged, a, you know, the spirit channeling thing in court, but anything regarding the spirit channeling didn't have to be proven. And we managed to find a case, you know, that actually didn't involve spirit channeling going on. This case actually heavily does involve, and you actually take down a a spirit channeled by Maya in court. Exactly. And then there's that moment where uh, Pearl channels uh, channels Mia, and then they have that moment where they kind of have that showdown in court. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, and it's like also Godot. Yeah, D Dahlia, Godot, and, uh, and Mia. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the other thing. That's the other plot line that, that that's really wrapped up here is Dahlia, and really, really nice way. Like we said, we take down her ego, force her to go, and uh, and it's fucking great. But the mysteries aren't even solved after that point. I mean, there's still more to to, to reveal about who really killed Misty Fay. It's and like yeah, by that point, you're just absol you're just uh, resolving Dahlia's part in the whole plot. 
And then arguably the best moment in the series, the super objection. There's, there's a moment where, and it, it, what's funny is it doesn't matter what you present, Godot always says the same thing. He acts like it, it's, it's shit, and he doesn't even listen to what you're about to present. And then he goes, you know, you'll never, you'll never be half of what Mia is. And then at that moment, you see Mia's spirit behind Phoenix, and they do an objection together. And it's <laughs> that you realize, no, that Mia's, Mia's legacy lives on through Phoenix. Absolutely. And they actually bring the pursuit theme from the first game in. They 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 bring in a a, a mixed uh, another arrangement of that, um, uh, pursuit uh, uh, cornered. Yeah, that was really cool, man. I, I liked hearing that. Yeah, and you're taking down Godot, who ultimately again is another sympathetic villain. Uh, he's not somebody like on guard. You know? No, not at all. I mean, you actually kind of realize why he did what he did. You know, it was just it was just. A pure reaction to seeing Dahlia. Yeah. Because he hated her so much for what he, she did. Yeah. And that's not to mention the fact that, you know, like you said, the, the first part of this case, you actually play as Edgeworth standing in court. Edgeworth versus Francisca. Like, that is, like, a great sequence. And what's funny is, you know, Edgeworth actually gets to see what what Phoenix has to deal with, all the bullshit that he has in this fucked up legal system. Yeah, he, he's, he's just like, defense. he's just like, Jesus, this what Rice has, is this what Wright has to deal with? You know, I feel like the entire world is crumbling around me, you know? What's interesting about that, though, is you get to see the differences in how Phoenix and uh, Edgeworth uncover the truth. Like, Edgeworth is more competent than Phoenix when it comes to, like, like finding, like, obvious contradictions in testimony and, like, calling those out, finding, you know, multiple contradictions from the same statement and evidence. Um, but there, where, where, where Wright has the edge is when it comes to just thinking about this case in a way that nobody would have ever thought of like edgeworth managed to pull out the 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 uh larry's drawing but he would never have come to the conclusion that wright did about the truth behind that that drawing that's dude that was that was like evident to me like almost right away once it all started to come together it's like oh it's upside down yeah it's like okay it, it, yeah no wright is the one that will come into the court and he will like just say no it's not like this. Let's see if we do it like this and then see what happens. And it usually actually come, everything falls into place from that. You know, that's Wright's thing that he's good at is like these, these turnabouts, these, these huge revelations that change the, the way that you think the entire case. Um, and, and that's something that's cool is kind of seeing Phoenix and Edgeworth, uh, work together on this and Edgeworth just basically exposing all of the lies, finding, you know, everything that Wright needed to do to piece everything together. And then Wright just nailing that in the coffin um, and, and having just this tremendous step in his character growth, I would add. But I would also say that this is a case where the end result is more of a team effort, you know, yeah. like, it, like, I mean, uh, Edgeworth and uh, Von Karma, I mean, they they actually set up uh, the case like perfectly for Wright to kind of uh, take it to its logical conclusion. Yeah, and then even uh, Francisca gets to help out during the investigation segment, and you kind of actually get some camaraderie between Phoenix and Francisca, which is cool. Yeah, they've actually kind of grown together a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Butts finally gets the, a... The Butts. He comes back in Trials and Tribulations and... 
you know, at this point, it's I think he's starting to realize that how, how many of these situations he finds himself in, not only finds himself in, but like fucking fucks things up for everybody in some way. Yeah, so he decides that he wants to kind of reinvent himself a little bit. And he actually does, you know, he he, he finds his calling a little bit, you yeah. know, as, as an artist. And then, and then of course, uh, of course, he's, he's still simping. That never goes away. Of course. And, yeah. And, Speaking of, uh, of sipping uh, Iris. Oh, man. She was my favorite character here. It's like just so just so awesome. You what know? a crazy twist, though. What a crazy twist. Finding out that, oh, my God, her and Dahlia are twin sisters. What the fuck? So I had to keep my mouth shut a lot. Like, I, I, I was I was watching, you know, we were playing this game and I was, I was watching you react to this. And I was like, oh, man. And so, like, yeah, when they pull that out, they're like, you know, normally when you hear, like, oh, she has a twin, it feels kind of cliche. But, you know, it's the first time they've actually done it. It won't be the last, but it's the first time they've actually done it in Ace Attorney. And they actually managed to work it really well. And they even kind of, it's not just that she has a twin. Like, there's a whole switcheroo. Yeah, it's a whole switcheroo. And it has to do with the Kurain channeling uh, technique and everything. Yeah, and, and somebody who's actually dead being the culprit or, or part of, you know, the... the uh, part of the culprit, yeah. Yeah, an accomplice, so, so to speak. Um, crazy, crazy how, how, how this whole case unfolds. Um, and yeah, and then, of course, you know, Iris, who you, you're really not sure what to think, right? Because you, you wonder if this might be one of those situations where it's like, well, obviously she's guilty, right? Yeah, I know, because, I mean, for for one, you obviously see, look, she looks exactly like Dahlia. But then you actually talk to her and you investigate and you're just like, but this can't be Dahlia. So what's like, going sis- on? Yeah, what's going on here is like Sister Bikini says that she was uh, there at the temple when she was a little girl. So it, it's like she's at least credible enough to, you know, speak to that. So it's like at first you're just like, what the fuck is going on here? Is this Dahlia? This can't be Dahlia. Yeah. And I think actually Iris is the closest to canonical love interest for Phoenix Wright. Absolutely. Like she kind of confesses her feelings for him at the end of the game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, and we know that he was interested in her because he was the the person that he loved was wasn't Dahlia. It was her. Yeah. That was the person he actually interacted with. So, you know, it I don't know. I, I like Phoenix and Edgeworth, too. And uh, I, I'm not even I don't uh, I don't I'm pretty cool with Phoenix and Maya. Obviously, at one point, I actually liked that pairing. I, now, I, I don't, don't I don't see it. I don't see it, but I, I'm still cool with it. I, I, I don't see I, I think that uh, I, I think that Iris is the perfect fave for uh, <laughs> for the perfect member of the fake clan for right. I think that it, 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 it would be weird for it to be anything other than Iris. If you really look at like what's presented in like text but then again if he ended up with edgeworth and like they were just like fuck it like that's what the fans want that would be fine too that would be good yeah that'd be awesome yeah but i i do like that it doesn't really delve into the the romance too much it keeps it just ambiguous enough that you can kind of headcanon well, well of course you, you know i mean pearly is going to beat the living shit out of phoenix right when he, when she finds out you know because she's she's so dedicated to him and Maya being uh, <laughs> lovers. I think that's kind of <laughs> what, what threw me over. Like in the first game, there wasn't really hints of romance at all. But like this, from the second game on with Pearl kind of like always joking about it, I kind of felt like that was the writers kind of trying to like to like 
throw that. And maybe they were a justice for all, but I feel like in Trials and Tribulations, they kind of rode away from that. A little bit. And and I think that that's what makes Iris a more logical, uh, canonical love interest for him, sort of. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But yeah, I just, I love how this case just, just wraps everything so nicely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really, really, uh, standout case. Yeah. And, uh, overall trials and tribulations has a fantastic soundtrack again. Um, I, I would only say that I feel like some of the first schemes, uh, tracks are just a little bit more iconic to me. Um, I do like this, uh, objection theme. 2004, Objection 2004 feels very similar to Objection 2001, even though they're, they're different songs, but they're like, they're, they're almost the same thing. Um, but this is the one that would actually end up being Wright's theme moving throughout the rest of the games, which makes sense because this Objection theme was actually, if you think about it, Mia's Objection theme. And so it becoming Phoenix's in this game as well kind of symbolizes his growth into, you know, her spirit living in him. Yep, living through him, and you know, just kind of that whole character journey that they're going through, um, and that that ends up being the version that that shows up in the later mainline games as well, you know, or var- variations of it. They're they're constantly remaxing. Specifically, this objection theme is the one that sticks. Yeah, yeah, I I do like the various remixes that they've uh, that that they've gone through throughout the series. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a, it's only natural that they would remix them, but they still manage to kind of you know keep the original spirit of each uh, each composition. It's interesting how throughout the trilogy, you know, like you look at like the objection themes, the pursuit themes, the cross examination themes, and they all manage to kind of like carry convey the same meanings and and, and real and feel similar enough while being completely different. Yeah. You know, it, 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 interestingly enough, like you hear like, OK, this is this is an objection theme. This even though like the, the, the second game's objection theme sound is quite a bit different. It's like it's kind of doing the same thing. And then, yeah. But overall, this trilogy has uh, one of my favorite video game soundtracks. Um, I love, you know, both the original like chiptune versions uh, as well as the uh, remastered versions in the trilogy. For- like, like I said, I jam this music all the time now. Along with the other video game um, soundtracks that I listen to. Fucking A. Well, anything else to add on uh, Trials and Tribulations? Um, Iris and Wright are totally my ship. <laughs> nice. That's my ship. Yeah, it's definitely my, my favorite game in, um, in, in the franchise. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. It's just, just the story is so well done. Um, there's not a single bad case, um, or even like a mid or, or really even a weak case, so to speak, like the weakest case, I think is still a pretty strong case in my opinion. Um, the series overall trials and tribulations feels like it could be, you know, the natural end. I mean, it does wrap everything and conclude everything in such a satisfying, meaningful way that it's like, I can see what Shaw 2 can be. Takumi meant when he said that you know this was intended to be the end of Wright's character journey even more so than you know originally with the first game right because originally he had intended to just make the first game a standalone and then he stretched it out made a trilogy and this really was meant to be the end of this character's uh of his, his story arc right yeah but you know you know how Capcom is but I'm not dissatisfied with the results because I like what they've done with the franchise from here. 
Um, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles are honestly like the closest to the quality of the original trilogy. But even going forward with the mainline games, with Phoenix's character kind of throwing him more on the mentor role, there's still a couple interesting things to do with his character that they did. Um, even if the games don't come out quite as strong as these first three, in my opinion. Yeah. But the Great Ace of Tony Chronicles do. <laughs> so you should definitely <laughs> play those uh, if you enjoyed these. And I say go ahead and give Apollo Justice a shot and play through the rest of the series because it's worth it. There's not a bad Ace Attorney game. I agree. There really aren't any bad Ace Attorney games in this, uh, in this trilogy here. Like, no. I mean, it, it's surprising to me, actually. Yeah. And like you said, you know, I'm I'm so uh, disappointed that I like I slept on this franchise for so long. Like it was always kind of there. Like I had heard of it. And, and like we mentioned, you know, in the last part, it, you know, it, it really should have appealed to me sooner because I'm really into the whole like murder mystery thing. And uh, and also just uh, logic puzzles in general. <laughs> Same here. This kind of appeals to that uh, part of my brain, you know, my deductive side. And everything, because I was always a fan of uh, like Sherlock Holmes, and like, and even back then, this is probably something that you don't know anything about. Uh, Encyclopedia Brown. Okay. Yeah that that was a uh, that was a detective series involving a young kid who was like a he was an encyclopedia, and uh, basically the cases were not unlike this. You know, you kind of had to read and uh, kind of take everything into consideration and then uh, come up with a solution and it would have the solution at the end of the book and everything for each uh, case oh nice. so yeah this this is like encyclopedia brown but for the gaming generation that's kind of what it is and interestingly enough it would be cool if somebody made an encyclopedia brown game in that in that respect you know yeah that sounds cool yeah, like 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 we mentioned in, in like the the previous episode, um, I immediately just fell in love with the satisfaction of uh, pursuing the truth in these cases, finding out you know what really really happened, and and just pursuing the culprit, and, and really just finding contradictions and that aha that gotcha moment when you finally figured it out. Yeah, a lot of what makes this game fun is really just trying to just trying to see what's going to come next, you know? Like like I was like we played uh, Bridge to the Turn about halfway through and I was just like, man, what's going to happen next after, you know, the whole the whole segment with uh with Edgeworth and uh, Francisca. It's like how is the next uh, court battle going to play out? Exactly. So. And that, that's what these games do. I mean, on, on that note, um any final thoughts on the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy overall? I highly recommend this. Like, even the weakest cases are still so much fun, have so much character, and just have such great narrative. And I really love the presentation, you know, the visual novel presentation, you know, slash uh, courtroom drama and everything. And, yeah, I really regret not... Uh, not not getting into this sooner, but I mean, but but then again, I never really had a DS. That was kind of my brother's generation of gaming, you know, my little brother's and your your generation more or less. But I mean, now that it's been uh, remastered, now it's been re-released. It's this is definitely the way to play these games, and yeah, play through them all the way through from beginning to end, and. You'll have a blast. And honestly, I recommend playing this with friends because, I mean, 
kind of involving everybody and uh, actually, you know, uh, taking in the evidence and listening to testimony and everything and trying to figure this stuff out. It's it can almost be a good uh, hangout game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in, in a way, it, it is a good hangout game. Yeah, I got to agree. So, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy is something I can genuinely recommend to anybody. And, and let me just let me just emphasize on what that means because this is actually like a rare thing. I would recommend this to literally anyone. Whether you're a gamer or not, if you're like casual or hardcore, it doesn't matter because this game was developed. It was designed with that idea in mind as a game that my mother could play. That's the design philosophy that Shu Takabe adopted uh, when he when he you know pieced this together, and I think that that works best specifically with the Ace Attorney trilogy. And I say I can recommend it to anybody in every sense of the word because. Um, if you are a first-time player of uh, uh, of the Ace Attorney franchise, um, this is the the perfect starting point. Uh, start with the first game because the the logic isn't too complex. It's not nearly as much as it gets in some of the later games. Rise from the Ashes excluded. Um, it, it, but it, it does build up in, in, in complexity and they do get more and more convoluted over time. And that's why you want to start with the very first game and work your way through the trilogy. And I, I highly recommend that as a starting point for anybody interested in these games uh, because uh, or, or the genre of game even because if uh, because the, the trilogy is really like peak Ace Attorney and it, it is it is the point from which everything else in the franchise, if, if you decide to, to play, you know, starts from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And man, it is quick. It quickly became one of my favorite video game franchises. Um, I just instantly fell in love with that. I think from the first case, as soon as I got a taste of what it was like to, you know, to, to expose contradictions in court and, and take down witnesses that were really the culprit. Um, I, I just, once I had a, 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 a taste of that, I was addicted and I, you know, just marathon through this entire trilogy. And that's basically what we did too. <laughs> Practically. Yeah. We just uh, played our way through each and every case uh, one by one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting how this is one of those game series that'll do that to you. That, like you start and you just, like you just keep going. Like it's like yeah, they and they just get the throughout the trilogy. I feel like it it, it just kind of gets better and better. Yeah, in that way, it felt like a, some of the uh, early PlayStation Final Fantasy games, and that's and that's the same way. You know, where you're really playing through it and you really just want to you want to see what happens next. You know, you wanna you wanna unlock the next part of the story. So yeah. it kind of has that feel to me. Exactly, it does. And the characters are so endearing. Um, you, you just really fall in love with them. Even the ones that were villains at some point are like, wow, no. Yeah. They're my favorite. You know, it, that, that, that's what's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So go check out the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy. If you've, if you've listened through both of these spoiler-filled episodes, still go check them out for yourself because it's still 100% worth it. Um, you could find these, this uh, trilogy port in particular uh, on any modern gaming console. So we played it on uh, the uh, PS4 and PS5. So, there's, uh, it's, so it's on PS4, it's on Xbox, uh, Windows, Switch, uh, there's a port on iOS and Android now that's actually pretty good. If you hear bad things about the iOS port, they mean the old one. The, the current one that you can buy on the store is good. 
Um, and I hell, I played through the original trilogy for the first time on that bad iOS port, and I still love the hell out of it. So, yeah. Um, if you have access to the original hardware or you want to sail the open seas, yeah, this game should not be that difficult to emulate. DS games aren't. But I, I do kind of recommend the, the, the trilogy port uh, most of all because I feel like there's a lot of quality of life improvements, even like uh, corrections to uh, con- for continuity reasons, you know, and, and better grammar. And, um, you know, the graphics isn't even the, the biggest thing. It's just like it, it, it even being like small things like being able to skip through a testimony you've already heard and, and things like that. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that uh, the, the current trilogy port and it's pretty cheap. I, I think like I didn't spend more than 20 bucks on it. And uh, I, I bought this like I've bought this trilogy actually twice. I bought it on uh, or three times. I bought the the bad iOS port. I bought the, the new iOS port and I bought it on PlayStation. Um, and I don't feel like uh, I, I feel like I've got my money's worth even spending <laughs> three times. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Um, I got hooked into this game franchise. It was something that actually like i was playing even when i was supposed to be playing other games for the podcast i could not stop playing ace attorney and i knew <laughs> we had to do it and i'm so glad we finally did hell yeah man and, I, and i'm glad to have uh, been here for these episodes and everything yeah so if you enjoyed this collateral gaming and collateral cinema collab uh be on the watch for more uh, especially this month we should be doing the super mario brothers movie yeah and uh we should also be uh also what else were we going to collaborate on we were going to do uh the conquer's bad fur day yeah yeah uh, you're going to be on that episode, episode. yeah yeah and on collateral cinema we are going to uh, be doing our season finale very soon with spy hards that'll be corvette summer but before that we're going to do our 420 episode we're talking about the first clerks movie uh by kevin smith and that is going to be all kinds of exciting I've been wanting to talk about uh, this movie for a while since we did Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Hell, yeah. Um, yeah, with Collateral Gaming, we are working our way to our season finale now. So uh, this was actually supposed to be out technically a couple months ago, but I really wanted to have it out by March. Uh, but no worries. Uh, this month we have, like like Bo mentioned, our 420 special on Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Uh, the numbered episodes that were planned for this month um, are going to be uh, bad games because April is going to be moving forward um, our bad game month. Or actually has been. Yeah. Besides uh, the 420. Yeah, you're doing Plumbers Don't Wear Ties, and I definitely want to be there for that. And E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Yep. So, so those, we're, we should be doing those two this month. And then uh, I really want to make sure that we have that wrapped up because in May, Tears of the Kingdom comes out, and we are covering it. It's our official season finale. Uh, part one will be spoiler-free, and part two will go into full spoiler details, um, even if we have to wait you know, like a month to actually play through everything and do it um, and release that by June. It doesn't matter. It's the season finale. So, yeah. But um, but we will be we will be covering uh, Tears of the Kingdom um, as, as soon as we possibly can after it comes out. Uh, I want to get our spoiler free first impressions review out. Maybe, you know, at most a week after the game comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to be on the ball with that. So, yeah. Stick around for uh, the closing of uh, Collateral Gaming Season 5 and Collateral Cinema Season 6. We're already in the planning stages for our upcoming seasons. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we're also in the planning stages for more live streams as well. Yeah, so if you didn't know, we actually did a live stream of Trials and Tribulations uh, this week prior to recording this episode. Yeah, that was actually a lot of fun. I mean, we had uh, at least a few people watching us and everything, and uh, I look forward to doing that again. Yeah, yeah, we'll do definitely more live streams. I would love to do a Let's Play on uh, Apollo Justice. Yeah, definitely. Kind of that way we can kind of cover. And in some form or fashion, I think from here on, we're going to be covering the rest of the Ace Attorney games. Uh, next season, for sure, I want to do uh, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Yeah, definitely. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, if you uh, want to support us, go check out our Patreon, both Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema. Have $1 and $5 tiers. And uh, if you pay... Uh, any amount of money uh, as of now, you get access to our exclusive uh, Let's Play video game commentaries and full-length movie commentaries. And uh, we are expanding our Patreon, of course, like Bose mentioned, um, and figuring out you know what else we can do with the platform once we get some more patrons. Absolutely. So uh, start uh, joining our Patreon, ladies and gentlemen. We will start uh, giving more content and possibly even free merchandise out once we start getting our merch together in the preseason mm-hmm. or in the postseason, I should say. So, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's just about it, guys. Uh, find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, and Podchaser. All righty. Well, Bo, what, what, do you, what do you say about uh, going on for another hour? Oh, no, I think that I'm just going to have to give in. Objection! Actually, objection, dumbass. Haven't you heard? You absolute failure. Did come fuck not tell you? Your garbage excuse of a hypothesis. I'll shove my entire cravat up your ass because it's fucking wrong. Why, well, you little bitch? If you could take a look at this while I'm fucking up. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.